Good morning, friends. The Lord be with you. So my name is Becky. I am on staff here at Pleasant Street Church, and it is a joy to be together. If you are welcome, if you are visiting us this morning and joining us, I am so glad to have the privilege of welcoming you this morning and uh, pray that you will be blessed this morning as we worship our, our God together. Um, also, if you have been visiting us with us for some time um, and would be interested in becoming part of our membership, Pastor Matthew will be hosting a membership class, and today is the last day to sign up for that. So see him today, and then we can get our materials and everything ordered. Also this morning, we are going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper, also known as Communion, also known as the Eucharist. So if you did not pick up one of these little um, containers while you came in, be sure that you grab one. One of the elders will be glad to bring one for you. Don will. Um, if you are worshiping with us at home, make sure that you have your elements ready as well. So that will come later on in our worship service. Why don't we quiet our hearts in a time of preparation? Lord, our God, we trust your promise to be among us as we gather. We come in the name of Christ, drawn by your spirit, eager to hear your word. Fill our hearts with your spirit and prepare us for faithful service. Amen. We light this Christ candle as a sign that Jesus Christ is present with us in our worship. Will you rise in body or in spirit for our call to worship as our triune God invites us here to, in his presence and we ask for his presence among us. Let us worship the eternal God, the source of love and life who creates us. Let us worship Jesus Christ, the risen one who lives among us. Let us worship the spirit, the holy fire who renews us. To the one true God, be praise in all times and places through the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's sing our praise to our trying God. These are the words of Psalm 150. to the king, all right. 
your son, Jesus Christ, you have given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You chose us before the world was made to be your holy people without fault in your sight. You adopted us as your children in Christ. You have set us free by his blood. You have forgiven our sins. You have made known to us your secret purpose to bring heaven and earth into unity in Christ. You have given us your Holy Spirit, the seal and pledge of our inheritance. All praise and glory be yours, O God, for the richness of your grace, for the splendor of your gifts, for the wonder of your love. And we say together, amen. Friends, the peace of Christ be with you. Let's share that greeting and peace with each other this morning. My name is Annika, and I'm one of the pastors on staff this morning. I get to lead us in prayer. Before we go to God in prayer, just a few updates for you. Uh, many of you received an email this week about Sandy's sister, Marsha. Uh, so we have been praying for her in the sudden diagnosis of a brain tumor. A little bit of good news there. She is awake and responding, but she does absolutely have a long journey ahead. So let's keep them in prayer. Our brother Mark, who conquered COVID earlier this year, unfortunately found out this week that the COVID uh, did some pretty good damage to his heart. And so he also has a journey ahead of him as they figure out what, what comes next. And uh, so let's keep him in prayer. Finally, we received word from Hank and Bev that Hank was diagnosed with le leukemia this week. So we'll pray for them as well. Will you join me as we go before our God? Sovereign God, King of creation, you are the one who has spread out the expanse of the heavens and dug the depths of the lakes and the seas. You are the one who has forested the earth and stocked land and sea with swarms of your creatures. You called human beings forward to bear your image caring for creation, caring for each other, thriving in the light of your love. Lord, as school children across our nation this week celebrated Earth Day, we recognize that we have not always cared well for this magnificent earth you have provided us. Help us to be better stewards of the resources and blessings you have bestowed to us in it. We bring you thanks for Sabbath rest, for a break from work, for this place, and these friends, for your word that may be opened and preached into our lives, for your name on the lips of people we respect. We thank you, O oh God, that we may wake refreshed from a night's sleep, alert to the possibilities of a new day, ready for your gifts to find and bless us. We bring you thanks, O oh God, for nourishing food and nourishing friends, for sunny, rambunctious toddlers, and for elderly saints rich with wisdom. We give you thanks, God, for work to do and energy to do it, for fine arts and fine artists in all their beauty and skills. Even on the rainiest of mornings of our lives, we have reason to thank you, to bless you, to turn our faces towards the radiance of your love. God, especially for your grace, that amazing grace, so old, so new, always reminding us of our dependence on you, always healing with your mercy. For your grace, we give you thanks, O oh God. Care for our re restless world, we pray. In your mercy, cool our hot spots, restrain our lawless, and stimulate the imagination of peacemakers. 
Lord, we pray boldly for our nation and for its leaders. We pray for justice, your justice, to reign in the rule of our land. May we defend the weak and those who face discrimination. We pray, God, for the, your church across the world. Revive the church and make us strong so that we may serve your purposes, add luster to your reputation, and bring joy in all the precincts of heaven. We pray for our sick and hurting, for Hank, as he now faces a battle with leukemia. Lord, we pray that the side effects from treatment may be minimal, and that he would be able to continue golfing and doing the things that he loves. Lord, we pray for Bev as well as she takes on the role of caregiver once again. Give her strength, surround her with understanding and caring people. Help her to see you in the midst of it. We continue to pray for Melissa and her battle with cancer and for her family, for Paulette who faithfully serves at Valley Cafe, where so many of us enjoy meals. Lord, help her as she comes along, her daughter, Melissa, and her grandchildren in this time. Lord, we praise you for healing, for Carrie. But we know that she also has a journey ahead. So continue to bless her. We thank you that Julie could be with her at this time. We pray for Marsha, Sandy's sister, that as the doctors and the team there continues to work through the best treatments for the, her brain tumor, that she would be held in your grace. Lord, we pray for Marsha's family as well, who cannot be with her in the hospital rooms right now because of COVID. Give them grace, give them faith. Give them love. And Lord, for our friend Mark, as he journeys this new information about his heart, Lord, help the doctors to figure out what comes next for him as well. Walk with him and his family. Lord, remind us as a church family to bring prayer for these needs throughout the week. Also bring to mind the need to pray for our church and to be in the scriptures personally this week, that this body might grow more and more into your likeness, and we might have the fortitude to live for you. When we sag under the weight of our duty, strengthen us. Oh God, we did not make ourselves, cannot keep ourselves, and can never forgive ourselves. So we turn to you, our maker, provider, and savior, through Jesus Christ, in whom we pray. Amen. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts 8, 26 through 39, entitled, Philip and the Ethiopian. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kanig, which means the queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. 
The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, friends. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, on Good Friday, everything good about you went into the tomb with you, and we were in despair. But this Easter season, we remember that the tomb is open, and everything about you is more true than we can imagine. With scripture and water, you claim people as your own. Claim us now in our baptisms, and with these words, so that we may rejoice in the life given to us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Through that Spirit, O oh God, make your resurrection spiritually real to our hearts. Open our eyes so that we might see and seeing understand and understanding believe and believing that we might follow in all faithfulness and obedience in the way that you have made for us through your body. Amen. One of the things that we have discovered in our household these days is that um, water can be a lot of fun to play with. Sometimes when we are doing dishes, bowls become toys or when we're in the bath or perhaps in a rain puddle, we might find a way to take some cups and to fill them. It's fascinating to watch a cup fill up, but inevitably it gets full. And so, well, there's really only one thing to do, and that's to get a bigger cup and to pour it into the bigger cup. Well, but then that one gets full too, so you got to find another one. And fill that one. And I can watch my kids do this for a long, long time, filling a cup, watching it get full to the brim, watching it spill over the edges, and then pouring it into a bigger one. On and on it goes. Each time the, t the container gets bigger, there's more room. So you just have to keep filling it up, and on and on it goes. And in some ways, that seems to be something like what's going on in the book of Acts, the story that Luke is telling us about the good news of Jesus. Like water in a cup, this news keeps pouring out. It keeps filling up whatever container that it's in. And then what happens is, is that it spreads and the church overflows and it grows until it meets a new boundary. And then it fills again until it spills and overflows. Way at the beginning of the book of Acts, which we didn't read this time around, it's just Jesus and a little band of a few followers. And they're the only ones who know the good news that he is alive. And so they huddle in a room waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. We could picture this band of followers like a little cup in a room. And when the Holy Spirit is poured out on them, it fills them and it fills the room until they burst out into the street and the news spreads. And then there's more room. 
And then the gospel begins to fill up the boundaries around the city of Jerusalem, the walled city, and it's filling and the church is growing. In fact, it becomes so full that the authorities there try to stamp it out by stoning Stephen, which is a story we looked at last week. They try to persecute the church to make it go away, but that's, well, that's not unlike trying to pound your fist in a big bowl of water. What happens, all that happens, is that the gospel spills over its boundaries again. When the believers of Jesus are scattered over and around the walls of Jerusalem, and now wherever they go, Luke tells us at the beginning of chapter 8, they just talk to people about the good news of Jesus. And the disciples are scattered, but actually they're sent preaching the good news. And now there's more room. And this is how God begins to deepen and broaden his family. Like water spilling over a container that it's in, the church grows from small room to city and from city, and now it spills over into all the earth. But that means that when it does, it's going to start crossing boundaries. It's going to flow into the lives of the kinds of people who could not, did not live in the boundaried city of Jerusalem. And so Luke begins to tell us where this news goes. It goes in all directions, but the first place he tells us it goes is it goes to Samaritans, to a sorcerer, and to a eunuch. Well, it's hard for us to overstate just how big of a boundary Philip, bearing the news of God, has just crossed as he enters a Samaritan city. For a thousand years, Jews and Samaritans have practiced hating each other. Jews thought of them as political traitors and half-breeds and theological sellouts. Samaritans were those who were hopelessly compromised, ethically, religiously. And this is the first place that the gospel spills out when it overflows Jerusalem's walls. But a whole bunch of Samaritans become followers of Jesus because now there's more room and the church grows and the news spreads. God's family grows bigger. And we are wondering if Samaritans are the first place that the news goes, where will it go next? We should buckle our seatbelt. And sure enough, an angel sends Philip south, south on a desert road, Luke tells us. And like water rushing a parched desert canyon, Philip follows the road. And it's on this road that, on this barren, lifeless road, that Philip is directed to a chariot. And in the chariot, Philip sees a man, and as he gets closer, he can make out several things about this man. He's not Jewish. You can tell by his clothes. He's African, probably heading south toward the Nile region. This is a man clearly of some importance because he's riding in an Escalade, a chariot. Luke tells us he is, in fact, the secretary of the treasury for a royal household. And then Philip notices that this is a man of slender and slight frame. He does not have a beard. Well, of course, you could spot a eunuch from quite a distance. Often castrated in their youth, eunuchs were not difficult to spot because they had features that were softer than other men around them. Their voice would have been higher. They were smaller framed and beardless. In other words, they stood out rather a lot in a world where everyone had a beard. They were common, especially someone who has a royal position like this man. Castration was a way of guaranteeing that those with close access to the royal women did not pollute the royal bloodline. And it had the added benefit of ensuring that a servant was loyal, because eunuchs had been literally cut off from any future of their own. And so they were dependent on and bound to their employer. Eunuchs were not uncommon in the ancient world, but 
that doesn't mean that they were accepted. In fact, in Israel, it was just the opposite. Eunuchs had been explicitly excluded from the worship life in Israel. In Deuteronomy 23, eunuchs, along with other kinds of people who came from damaged or defiled stories, were excluded from the assembly of the Lord. And now what we have to understand about that is that Deuteronomy's point, the point of all the laws that we find there and in books like Leviticus, the point of them is that purity and holiness and wholeness was required to enter the presence of God because that was a picture of God and his rightly ordered, set right world. And so this eunuch is returning from worship in Jerusalem, Luke tells us, but he would have been worshiping from a great distance. And Philip sees who is in the chariot, and it's after he realizes who is there that he is sent to him. Please, I don't want us to miss the sequence, because I think it's important. Philip is divinely directed to a barren desert road. He sees a barren man, a man with a complicated and damaged story, a man who has been cut off and excluded. And then the Holy Spirit says, go to him. And we might wonder who are the people self-selecting out of our churches because they think their story's too complicated. Whose story seems too complicated for us to comprehend that there might be enough room? Before Tim Keller was Tim Keller, the one man that we all know, he was a pastor of a small church in a small town. Hopewell, Virginia, uh, he said, was a place where everybody was hardworking and everybody was religious. Why, even the atheists were Baptists. It was a beautiful little church. But not far away, across from the beautiful, tidy, well-ordered little church, across the parking lot, in fact, there was another kind of place. There was a trailer park. It was a pretty rough area, a place full of complicated stories, I would imagine. Well, it turns out that that was one of the very first places that God sent Keller and two of his deacons to share the gospel. It was with a woman who lived there. She lived right across in the parking lot. She was a very unhappy woman. Her name was Joy. <laughs> now, in a southern town in the late 70s, she was divorced. She had two children, two different fathers. She was a mess. She was disgraced. She was ashamed. Keller says, we went in there. Three of us sat down. We got to share the gospel, and Joy... She couldn't believe it. She said, you mean in spite of everything, God accepts me? And Keller said, well, you know, if you really understand the gospel, that means that the minute that you believe in Jesus and ask God to accept you because of what he has done, God loves you and delights in you as much this very second as he will a billion years from now. She couldn't believe it. She cried. She thought it was the greatest thing. She believed it. But the story goes on. A week later, Keller comes back to follow up. He crosses the parking lot. He goes to the place with the hard stories. They sat down, and Joy was overcast. She was really upset. It turns out that she had called her sister that week. Now, her sister was a very hardworking woman. She had a husband, three or four kids. They were upstanding citizens. They went to church. They were good people. When Joy called her older sister, when she told her that she had been saved, redeemed by God, that God loved her, her sister said, what are you talking about? <laughs> Joy, it can't be that easy. You have to work for this sort of thing, Joy. You have to work very hard. It takes years of self-discipline, years of, of effort. 
I don't know what kind of God that pastor is talking to you about, but I have no respect for him if he would just take somebody like you like that. Well, it turns out that Joy wasn't the only one whom Jesus needed to save in that family. Well, friends, there is more than one way to be far from the presence of God, lives that seem too complicated and those that are overly tidy. We love the idea of Jesus accepting the broken, claiming the excluded, but it does catch us surprised sometimes when he actually does it. <laughs> it does seem sometimes that there might not be enough room just now. After all, we had just gotten things organized the way that we wanted. Sometimes we forget that we too are damaged. Sometimes we forget, too, that we once were lost. We were without hope and without God in the world, as Paul says. We forget that once we were excluded and cut off from the promises of God. But, but God, God has never forgotten. God has never thought any of our stories was too complicated for him. He has never thought our damage too severe to get involved. I, in fact, Deuteronomy did exclude some from the assembly of the Lord, but at the same time, through Isaiah, God pictured a day when eunuchs <laughs> and all those with complicated and damaged stories would be accepted. In Isaiah 56, the Lord had said, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who love what I love, who trust my promises, I will give them a name. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Isaiah could picture a day that was coming when the wounded, the maligned, the damaged, the fruitless would have a place, not just a place, but a name from God himself. And so, of course, it makes complete sense that the first people whom the news of Jesus should spread to when it leaves Jerusalem are the people who had no place in Jerusalem. In fact, in fact, that had been where the eunuch was. Did you catch that? He was in Jerusalem. And while he was there, the news about Jesus was being poured out and it was spreading in the city. The church was growing, but he missed it. And so he started on his way home. And so God sends Philip to him on his way home. And it's as though the news is outpacing him. It's catching up to him there. When Philip realizes who is in the chariot, and when he hears the spirits whisper, what does he do? What does he do? He doesn't drag his feet. He doesn't wring his hand. What does he do? He runs. He runs. Running up to the chariot, Philip hears the eunuch reading, of all things, Isaiah 53. <laughs> what is that about? It's about God's servant being cut off. It's about the chosen one being despised, rejected, excluded. It's about someone whose life withers like a cut vine and seems to come to nothing. Isaiah is describing someone whose future is taken from him. And Philip asks, do you know what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And thanks be to God, he does. Philip does explain. Tell me, is Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And from that very passage, Philip tells him all the good news about Jesus. He tells him about Jesus, who is God's servant, who is rightfully God's son, but who is despised and rejected by all. By all? Yes, by all. He is the lamb without a blemish or a stain or a spot, who is slain, who is crucified, who is cut off from his father in the garden, and whose life is cut short because of our sin. And God does all of this 
so that we could be forgiven. The pure, spotless, perfect Lamb of God is slain for our sin-damaged selves. The Son offers himself in sacrifice so that enemies could become friends. God spares no expense to bring home the lost, the damaged, the aimless. God loves. God seeks those who are too far gone and who have no place. And on the road, the eunuch is putting all of this together as they bump along. And he realizes that if God would do that for him, if Jesus was cut off so that he could be restored, then what else could possibly separate him anymore? What boundary could be left if God would cross them all for him? In fact, what is there to prevent him from being baptized? And he realizes that he can belong, actually, and fully belong what then stands in the way of me being baptized? And it echoes and echoes down through history even to this sanctuary here today. And there in that wadi in the desert, Isaiah is coming true. Because baptism is God's sign and seal of a promise to wash away all that defiles us. Baptism is a sign and seal of God's promise to give us a new future we could not make on our own. Baptism is the sign and seal that the old exclusions have been buried, and we receive a new name. In other words, this foreigner, an Ethiopian eunuch, becomes an Ethiopian disciple. A man cut off gets a new name and a new future. He is adopted and the family of God gets bigger because there's more room. Watchman Nee was a Chinese evangelist last century, and he had some pretty good stories. I like stories. One of the stories that he would tell was about a new convert who came to him one time in great and deep distress. He said, no matter how much I pray, no matter how hard I try, I simply cannot seem to be faithful. I think I'm losing my salvation. Neat, wise man that he was, just looked at the man for a moment. Then he looked at his dog. And then he said, do you see this dog here? He is my dog. He is house trained. He never makes a mess. He is obedient. He is a pure delight to me. Now out in the kitchen, I have a son, a baby son. He makes messes all the time. He throws his food around. I have to change his underwear. He is a total mess, but who is going to inherit my kingdom? My obedient dog? No. Not my dog. My son. My son is my heir. And you are Jesus Christ's heir because it is for you that he died. Friends, Jesus Christ died because he willingly stepped into our sin-sick, complicated, and hopeless stories. What then is there to prevent even you from being included? My friends, we are not included because we've managed sufficient damage control on our reputation. We are not accepted because we've somehow managed to hold the threads together ourselves. We are not valuable to God because our lives are tidy or shiny or interesting, but because to God we are valuable. And because we are valuable in Christ, God has made room. There is so much room now. Room for as wide as the east is from the west, so far has God put our sins and our damaged past apart from us. There is room, my friends. So much room. Room enough for you. Room around a table, in fact. A feast. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me?
Lord Jesus, on Good Friday, everything good about you went into the tomb with you, and we were in despair. This Easter season, we remember that the tomb is open, and everything about you is more true than we can imagine. With Scripture and water, you claim people as your own. Claim us in the waters of our baptism and with your words, so that we may rejoice in the life given to us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Leave that Spirit with us now, O God, and make your resurrection spiritually real to our hearts. As we leave, open our eyes so that we might see and seeing understand and understanding believe and believing that we might follow in all faithfulness and obedience in the way that you have made for us through your body. Amen. It is only right and fitting, my friends, that we should rise and respond to God together. Let's do, by, do so by singing. The only reason why we belong is because of grace. So I invite you to consider these songs as we approach the table in light of God's grace for us.
Brothers and sisters, the only reason that we can sing that with gusto is because we have seen that in Jesus, he has said that we are his. He has claimed us, that he has bought us, not just with water, but with his own blood shed for us. And that is the thing that Jesus wanted us not only to hear together as disciples, but to taste and to see. And so that is why we come to this table. Whether you are at home at your own tables with elements that you have prepared, or whether you are gathered at this table here with elements that our, our elders and deacons have set up for us, this is Christ's table, and all is ready. And so let's get ready to feast together. Because of COVID, and because we want to spread gospel and not virus, we are taking communion together by using these single-serve packets together. So I'd invite you to go and turn it over if you're going to join us today so that the uh, bread side is up. And in a minute, I'll let you know to remove your mask, and we'll take those things together. And because we are always having folks with us who are new to this feast and at this table, and especially those who are young, just a reminder that when we take this, it's just a little piece of bread, and it's a little bit of juice, right? But because God is here in the presence and the power of his spirit, God makes this a great big meal of faith and trust in Jesus. So friends, let's pray together. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Wondrous and merciful God, we thank and praise you because we did not choose you, but you chose us. You destined us to become your friends from before the foundation of the world. You showed steadfast love and faithfulness to your people and remembered your promises in every generation. Greater love hath no one than you, because in Christ you laid down your life and turned us from servants into friends. And by your Spirit you raise us up to be your beloved companions forever. And so, gladly, we thank you with all your people on earth and the company of heaven, proclaiming together your unending praise, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. God of joy and surprise, your son's apostles were astounded that you sent your Holy Spirit upon the Gentiles and that through persecution you scattered the gospel and built up the church. You invite us to join your company through baptism and sustain us in your fellowship through this meal of memory and hope. Send your Holy Spirit upon your church that it may bear the image of your crucified and resurrected Son. By the power of that same Spirit, bless this bread and this cup that they may be for us the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who at supper with his disciples, gave us this memorial of his sacrifice until he comes again. On the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks to God, he gave it to them, saying, this cup is the new covenant which is sealed in my blood and poured out for you and for many. Whenever you drink it, do this to remember me. For friends, whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ, Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Redeeming God, you turn word into flesh and your perfect love casts out our fear. In broken bread, show us the cost of your love and empower us to love like you. In poured wine, show us the constancy of your love and form us to love with long-suffering like you. Abide with all whose lives seem fruitless today. Remain with those who have experienced pruning. Dwell with any who feel like branches that have been discarded. 
Renew your church that it may look like your son. Wipe every tear from every eye. Make death no more. And take away mourning and crying and pain that all may find justice in your mercy and freedom in your service until the beginning and the ending of all things are one in you and you are all in all. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has prepared this table for all those who love him and trust in him alone for their salvation, all who are sorry for their sins, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who desire to live in obedience to him are invited to come now with gladness to the table of the Lord. For friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let's eat. If you would, please remove your mask. And go ahead and open the top portion of your container. Brothers and sisters, take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of our Savior Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Brothers and sisters, take, drink, remember, and believe that the blood of our Savior Jesus was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Such good news like that requires a response. Would you join me in these words of response together? For your amazing sacrifice that has made us clean and forgiven and free together. For this bread and wine that helps us remember your amazing love for us. For making us part of your body, the church. Now, having been fed at your table, we long to show beggars where to find bread. Now, having been set free, we long to show prisoners where to find release. We have received, now empower us to give. How to give thanks. We have been loved, now empower us to love. And to proclaim you, you gave your life for us. Lord Jesus. Amen. Friends, would you rise in body or in spirit and let's go singing.
Christ not only has washed us, but now lives inside of us, telling us, reminding us throughout all of our lives that we really do belong to him, body and soul and life and in death, no matter where this week or our lives take us. What I'm saying is that God has turned his face towards you. And now, because he's done that in Jesus, he will not change his mind. Friends, would you receive God's parting blessing? Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.